0: Well, uh, good morning again. Um, you know, I always want to t- talk about the being relevant around here and real, so um, I'm going to be real with you and uh, confess that um, I was out way too late last night. Uh, a very kind friend uh, invited me uh, with some free tickets to go see uh, the Hurricanes play the Buckeyes last night, and uh, which was an abysmal event, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, So we made the trek over there a lot of fun, uh, but I didn't get in bed until after 1.30 this morning, and I get up at 4 on Sundays to uh, start prepping myself. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I did something I've never done before I got up to speak. I drank a whole Mountain Dew a little while ago, and we'll see if that helps. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> so well, welcome to uh, week two of Unleashed. We're exploring how God has uh, unleashed His church to be difference makers in our city, um, our, our region. And beyond. And last week we uh, discussed how God has uh, made available to us this power, this dunamis or dynamite-like power. And uh, we we had some fun. It's not firecracker kind of power, it's dynamite kind of power. And if you weren't here last week, you missed the firecrackers and my attempt at some pyrotechnics. So uh, you can ask somebody what that was like uh, if you missed that last week. But God has made available to us this incredible power through the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus uh, says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and this is kind of key verse for the whole series, He says, But you will receive power, and that word is that dunamus, it's dynamite, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, or I think we could say our difference makers, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so uh, this power that God unleashed on the early church transformed them. And uh, they did incredible things with this power. And I'm confident of what the Bible teaches, that the same power is available to us today through the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're, we're hoping that that power is unleashed in our lives. And uh, last week I'm so confident that God still wants to do this today. We talked about how that can happen. And one of the key things is for us to get our lives in step or in sync uh, with the Holy Spirit. And so I challenged you last week to uh, set some reminders. I uh, told you I had set some reminders on my phone, uh, some alarms that went off every couple of hours, just for me to kind of stop life for a second and say, oh, Holy Spirit, am I in, in step, in sync with you? What do you want to do in my life the next couple of hours? And uh, I, I want to tell you, it was a good thing in my life this week. And uh, I'd love to hear how it went with you. In fact, maybe you have a story you'd like to share, and you could uh, send that to stories at crosspointcape.com, And uh, I'd love to hear what God is doing. And then in, if you're in one of our Unleashed Life groups, uh, you have some time this week in your group to look at some other scriptures that talked about that power and how God wants it to work in our lives. And so uh, I just want us to be really zeroed in on on letting that power work. Today I want to move on to uh, chapter 2 of the book of Acts and look at a a story that Peter uh, really shares there with this large crowd of people that are gathered. And this this story, it's really the story. I mean, it is the story that if you want to be a difference maker, this story needs to change you. And you want to be a difference maker, you need to be able to tell other people this story. Um, it's a simple story. And Peter, in this very simple, straightforward story, uh, kind of pulls back some layers for us and, and helps us to be able to see uh, the difference that Jesus can make in our lives. I, I want to uh, play a little game with you to get as we get rolling here this morning. And uh, I'm going to play a, a song for you here in a second. And uh, when you think you know what uh, song this is a theme to, just just raise your hand, Okay. So if we're ready back there, Josh, go ahead and roll that song for you. Yeah, one guy who was in rehearsal this morning raised his hand first. But Brian, I saw you raise your hand. What's the? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Very good. And so uh, I can't tell you that I was like a huge fan of that show back when it first came out, but I did watch occasionally. I liked it better before it was syndicated and, uh, you know, back when Regis Philbin was the the host, you know, and he'd sit in the chair and ask the questions and all that stuff. Well, imagine this morning that you were in the chair. But the game show isn't who wants to be a millionaire. The game show is who wants to be in an eternity. And sitting across from you is not Reed Philbin, but it's God. And here's the question that he asks you. Why should I let you be with me in heaven? Now the lights are on. The pressure's on. What's your answer going to be? How are you going to answer Why should I let you be with me in heaven? Maybe you want to use a lifeline. Maybe uh, you want to pull the audience. You know, because isn't that how sometimes we decide about spiritual things? We wait to see what is the popular idea, what is maybe politically correct. And so maybe you want to give a a popular answer. And some of the popular answers might be, Well, I'm a good person, and I do good things, so shouldn't I get into heaven? Or, Or maybe a popular answer would be, Well, doesn't God love everyone? Well, that's a popular answer. Uh, maybe your answer would be, well, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but look, I mean, the only people that don't make it into heaven are people like Osama bin Laden, right? So maybe you'd pick a popular answer. Or maybe you decide, I, I need to use the lifeline, can I call a friend? Because we want to hear what they think. Well, so let me tell you, this is, this is one decision, this is one issue in life, that they cannot decide for you. You have to decide for yourself. But there is a lifeline you could use. And the lifeline that you could use would be to listen to the story that Peter shares in Acts chapter 2. Because as I said earlier, it is a very simple, straightforward answer to this question. He peels back the layers in this story, the story of Jesus. And he helps us to see how it is in our lives that we can make sure we are right with God. And we would know how to make sure we're going to be with Him in heaven. So I hope you brought your Bibles, I challenged you to do that last week, and so if you've got your Bible today, why don't you take it out right now and find your way to Acts, the second chapter, and we're going to read several verses there, if you're using your phone or your iPad, that's great too. Now in this, uh, let, me, let me just bring you up to date where we are in Acts chapter 2, and uh, then we'll jump into the part I really want to study together today. Remember we looked at the beginning of chapter 2 last week, and after Jesus promises the power, this dunamis power through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually comes and comes into their lives in a powerful, transforming kind of way. And these early Christians, their lives are turned upside down and they begin to turn their world upside down. In fact, Peter and these other followers begin to speak in the languages of the people who have gathered there in a dramatic way. In fact, uh, it gets the attention of the people who have gathered. And Peter begins his speech to them by explaining what has happened in this sense. And that's where I want to pick up verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. Here's what it says. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And what he's explaining to them is what has happened to he and his friends that suddenly they have been able to speak in languages of all the people that, have, that are gathered there. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. Now Peter says, look, they're not drunk, and that's what the rumor was. Maybe they're drunk because they're acting awfully strange. But Peter says, and it was a religious festival, and so people would have been fasting. It would have been highly unlikely for anyone to have already been drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. They didn't break their fast until 10 o'clock. Peter says they're not drunk. And then he goes on in these next few verses and he takes some words from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament where the prophet Joel has, in a sense, predicted this very event where the Spirit would come in a powerful way in the lives of people. And Peter makes the connection between the words of the prophet Joel and what has just happened. And then after he does that, beginning in verse 23, he actually jumps into the story of Jesus, and that's where I want us to focus our attention today. Here's what he says, verse, I'm sorry, 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Peter begins in this story of Jesus, this simple story, by reminding them of the power, of Jesus that they had seen, demonstrated themselves, or they had at least heard about it. How many of you this week uh, saw the story on the news that was on over and over again of uh, this accident where this guy ends up underneath the car, it's on fire, and the people come around and they literally lift the car and drag him to safety. I mean, it was on the news over and over again. I'm guessing that uh, literally this story made it around the world People were talking about it, and by the end of the week, literally millions of people had heard or seen or talked about this event. The power that Jesus demonstrated was seen and talked about and talked about and talked about until literally in his day, thousands of people would have heard about some of the incredible things that Jesus did. The news traveled. I mean I can hear the conversations. I, I can hear one guy saying to another guy, Man, did, did you hear what this guy named Jesus did? I heard there were like ten thousand people and he had like just two or three fish and some bread and he fed all ten thousand. I heard it like it was like incredible. And the guy said, Well that's nothing. I heard the other day he was he was out somewhere and there was this demon possessed wacko guy and, and Jesus drove the demon out of this guy and the demon went and these pigs and the pigs ran off the side of the hill. I heard it was just incredible. Or, or another conversation, a guy says, You know you know that lady down the street, that wonderful lady did you hear her, that her son passed away? yeah, and they were they were carrying in his coffin out to where they were going to bury him and Jesus stopped the procession, and Jesus brought the boy back to life again. Have you heard that and there was story after story after story that people were telling over and over again that were reminders and and told people without a doubt that this This is Jesus, and He is who He said He is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And so the story of Jesus begins very simply, as Peter relates here, with a reminder that Jesus is the powerful Son of God. And then he picks it up in verse 23. He says, This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put Him to death by nailing Him to the cross. Peter says, you, you crucified Jesus. And we hear this story about these people crucifying Jesus, and we ask the question, how could they? you know what, some of the people who were in this audience as Peter first told this story on this day, quite likely some of those same people might have been in the crowd of people that screamed for Jesus to be crucified. And we think, how could they? But here's a harsh reality. And it was true for the people who stood in that crowd on the day that Peter talked, and it's true of everyone who sits in this room this morning you and I are just as guilty of the crucifixion of Jesus. Your sins and my sins put Him on the cross. The most torturous kind of death that I think man has ever invented. And it was our sins that forced Jesus to have to pay that kind of penalty. It was our sins that forced Jesus to endure that kind of death. now listen jesus did it willingly jesus paid the penalty for our sin willingly because he loves you but it is our sin that put jesus on the cross my uh good friend jamie stilson is the pastor of vineyard community church and uh in his book ugly the ugly church he um he tells the story about when he was in high school and uh, if any of you know Jamie, you can be sure I, that the time that I said this, that was a long time ago, okay, a long time ago. I'll tell him that, I said that tomorrow. And uh, so in high school, he played uh, football for the Green Wave, and uh, you know, he writes in the book, he, he never scored a touchdown, he played defense, so he gets into his senior, senior season, and, uh, and he is a senior citizen, I'll tell him that too. That's a, that's a tired thing right there. But that actually is pretty funny. So. Um, anyway, in his senior se- season, he, he uh, stopped because I'll really get off track, okay? <laughs> in his senior season, he, he, he has this great idea. It's not really a great idea, but it seemed like a great idea. His friend, Nikki Powell, was an offensive player, a wide receiver, and often scored. So they decided they would, on, towards the end of the season, they would, in a game, switch jerseys. They didn't have names on the back of their jerseys. The announcers would just identify people by their number. So they switched jerseys. And Jamie says that night was not a good night for him. In fact, he made several mistakes and actually at one point got a personal foul for getting in a fight. And he said over the, the announcing system, you know, they kept announcing number 50, number 17, who was, that was Nicky Powell, his friend's number, Nicky Powell, penalties on him, you know. And so Nicky Powell, number 17, is getting blamed for all this, but in reality it's Jamie Stilson. Now, Nikki Powell is wearing Jamie's number 50. And Jamie, Nikki Powell that night scored three touchdowns. But over the public address system, they announced every time, touchdown by Jamie Stilson. Jamie said it was such a great thing to hear people celebrating his name throughout the stadium. It was an exchange of jerseys, but it was an ugly exchange. Ugly for Nikki at least. Because for Nikki, he took the blame for everything wrong that Jamie had done. But it was a good exchange for Jamie because he got the praise and celebration for all that his friend actually accomplished. Listen to what the Bible says. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It was an ugly exchange when Jesus decided He would take our place and bear our sins on the cross. Here's the next part of the story, verse 24. But God raised Him from the dead, freeing Him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Him. And then He quotes some things from that David writes in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus' ultimate resurrection. And then I want to pick the story back up again in uh, verse 31. Peter's speaking again. He says, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ that was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. You see, here, here is the thing that sets Jesus apart from all others. A lot of other religious leaders made some very bold claims in their lifetime. But only Jesus came back from the dead. Only Jesus' tomb is empty. And that makes Him worth following in and of itself. And so here's what Peter has said so far in this very simple story. He has said, Jesus, who was God in the flesh, filled with miraculous power, took our sins upon Himself and died on the cross. And then, as no one else has ever done, He came back to life again. And then listen to what happens beginning in verse 36. Peter says, Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Do you catch what happens there? Peter shares this very simple story of Jesus. And when people heard the simple truth about Jesus, their hearts were touched. They were moved. And they asked, what do we do? This, this story, this story of, of Jesus, the miracle worker, come from heaven, crucified on the cross to pay the price of our sins, and risen again, this, this story, has been transforming and changing lives for centuries. And this, this story, this story still has the power to change lives today. And if we want to be difference makers, it's a story that we need to proudly be willing to tell to others. Because this is the story that makes a difference in people's lives. Now there are some in this room today who need to decide how they are going to respond to the story of Jesus. There are some people in this room this morning that should be asking the question right now, what am I going to do about this story? What am I going to do with this in my life? How am I going to respond? Well, Peter gives some instructions about how to respond. Beginning in verse 38, he says to the people who are asking the question, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That includes us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, He warned them and He pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted His message and were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Do you see what happened in response to the story on this day? More than 3,000 people lives were changed they responded they accepted this story they did exactly what peter says they needed to do and for those in the room today who are saying what do i do with this we need to follow peter's directions you want to be right with god you want to be able to answer the question if you were in the hot seat and god was asking you what are you going to what why should i let you be with me in heaven then you need to do simply what peter says here very simple and straightforward first he says. Repents, Repent. When uh, Peg and uh, my oldest son Michael and I were traveling earlier this summer, we were uh, actually coming from Georgia, uh, northern Georgia, headed towards Atlanta on our way to church on Sunday morning. And we had stopped at a little town at a McDonald's for some breakfast. And uh, somehow, coming back out of the city, the directions weren't clear, and uh, I really wasn't paying attention. We were talking, and I was ignoring my GPS. And uh, we get back out on this road, and I, I think we're headed towards Atlanta, but you know, my GPS suddenly is doing all these funky things. I have the volume turned off because I can't stand the recalculating, recalculating. But, you know, I see the screen is kind of making all these, you know, changing all the time. And so I I, drive, I don't really pay attention. Though. I keep driving it. But finally I realize we're going in the wrong direction suddenly. Now, I didn't immediately turn around, but I started looking for, you know, your favorite thing to do in Florida, right, make a U-turn. And uh, I drove a little bit, found a place where I could make a U-turn, and I turned around. And I began to head in the right direction. That's repentance. In very, very simple terms, that's what repentance means. It means to recognize that your life is moving in the wrong direction and to make a change, to turn around, to make a U-turn in life and to head in the right direction. And Peter says here that that when we make that change, when we change directions, comes forgiveness of our sins. Now, the people that Peter was speaking to in his audience, they, they had already climbed over the first hurdle. And you know what? I think probably most of the people in this room today have also climbed over the first hurdle. They already believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They had seen or heard about His incredible power. And they believed that He had died on the cross. And you know what? Most people that I meet in our culture today, deep down there is a belief that Jesus was the Son of God. And it's pretty easy for them to, To understand that He died on the cross. It's this next hurdle that sometimes it seems like we struggle with. As Peter was saying to these people, here's here's what's left for you to do. To repent. To admit that you need a Savior. I've done wrong. I've sinned. My life is heading in the wrong direction. And I need to turn it around and go the other way. In the story this week of the guy who was under the the burning car, he was interviewed just a few days later. He's doing quite well, I understand, amazingly. And in his interview, they asked him a number of things, but he he started relating his story. And he said that while I was under there, I was screaming for help, desperate for somebody to help me because I really, I was scared. I thought I was going to die if I stayed underneath that car. And you know what? When, When we are without Jesus in our life, we are in just as desperate, just as scary of a situation. Because without Jesus in our lives, sin has separated us from God. It, it is spiritual death. And ultimately, if we don't reach out to God and we don't have a relationship through Jesus Christ, it means a godless eternity in hell. And so we ought to be screaming for help. But help has already come in the form of Jesus. Jesus. And he simply says, repent, change the direction of your life. And when you do, there is forgiveness of sin, covered, forgotten. In fact, maybe it it could be illustrated this way. Imagine that I uh, had a a checking account at a local bank. And, uh, you know, in my checking account, I just continued to, to write checks, or I guess the modern thing to say would be I use my debit card. I write about two checks a month, it seems like. So, you know, I'm just using my debit card, using my debit card, and I'm overdrawing all the time. And it just keeps letting me overdraw and overdraw. And you know what happens? You start, not only are you overdrawing, but all those penalties start stacking up. But suppose I I sort of knew the president of the bank, and he picks up the phone one day and he says, Jeff, you keep overdrawing your account, and there are all these these penalties that you owe, these fees. He said that you've got to stop. But but here's what we're gonna do because you're a good guy because uh, you know you're known in the community a little bit. Uh, here's what I want to do. We're gonna we're gonna forgive all the penalties. You need to quit withdrawing, but we're gonna forgive all the penalties. And you know what? That'd be mercy. That'd be really good mercy. I'd really appreciate that kind of mercy. But suppose he went a step beyond that. Suppose after overdrawing and building up all of these penalties, the the banker calls me and. He says, you know what, Jeff, you're such a good guy. We like you so much. In fact, I personally like you so much that I'm going to move money from my personal account over to, to cover your debt and to pay all of the penalties that you've accumulated. And in fact, you know what, if you need to, you just keep writing checks and using your debit card and I'll just keep covering it from my personal account. Now that, that would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? And that's grace. That is exactly what God has done on our behalf when He sent Jesus to the cross. He has covered our account. He has covered the debt of our sin through the death of Jesus on the cross. Peter says the first step is to admit that you need saving. You need God's grace. It's called repentance. And then he says, and be baptized. The word for baptized, the Greek word there, is a word that means to be immersed or immersed in water. It's the idea, it's a picture of burying the old and raising a new life. It's a a picture of burying our old sin-stained life and being given a new life where our sins have been forgiven, covered, the record, no record of them kept. That's what happens in baptism. And that's what Peter says. And Peter says, when we repent and are baptized, we receive forgiveness of our sins. And then he, do you notice what he goes on to say? And we get that whole thing that we talked about last week, the incredible power of the Holy Spirit to guide us through life, to be our counselor, to be our comforter, to be our guide, to be our teacher. We get that unleashed in our lives. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the Gospel, It's the story of Jesus, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. You know what Jesus has offered to do with us? He's offered to have a jersey exchange. Yeah, He'll take our sin-covered, dirty jersey and in exchange, He will give us His clean, sinless jersey. It's an ugly exchange. Yet it's a beautiful exchange for us. Maybe you've heard the story, this is an old story, about Larry Walters. He was a truck driver in California. And Larry Walters had always had this dream that he wanted to fly. In fact, he had tried to make it into the Air Force as a pilot, but his eyesight had prohibited him from doing that. And so he had this dream and he He uh, just used to sit out in his yard sometimes and think how wonderful it would be to fly. Well, one day he got what he thought was a great idea. He ran down to the Army surplus store and he bought 45 weather balloons, four tanks of helium, and a BB gun. He went home and he inflated the, the weather balloons, strapped them to his lawn chair that he had anchored to the ground, made himself a couple of sandwiches and something to drink and figured out a way to attach that to his lawn chair. Then he sat down in the lawn chair with his BB gun, His plan was that he would cut the line and he would release himself thinking that he'd go maybe 100 feet in the air, kind of just uh, float around over his neighborhood a little bit and then he'd shoot the balloons to come back to the ground and the neighbors would see him and it'd be kind of a fun thing to do. Well, he cut the line and he went just a bit farther than 100 feet. He went about 11,000 feet into the air. Well, when he got up there, he was too afraid to shoot down the balloons for quite a while. One airplane actually saw him and reported him because he had floated into the airspace of LAX. The the pilot said there, I saw something that looks like a man floating on a lawn chair. (laughs) Well, after several hours, in fact nearly 12 hours, Larry finally began to get the courage. And so at the rate of one balloon per hour, he began to shoot holes in those balloons and slowly descended until he finally landed where police were waiting to arrest him for floating into the airspace of LAX. As he was being arrested, the reporters asked him a number of questions, really intelligent things like, were you scared? Well, of course. You know, Would you ever try it again? No. But they also asked him this, why did you do it? And I love his answer. He said, you know, you can't always just sit there. You can't always just sit there. And for some of you in this room, you've just been sitting there. And for whatever reason, you have been unwilling to respond to Jesus' invitation to follow Him. Listen, being an American doesn't make you a Christ follower. Being in church doesn't make you a Christ follower. Being a good person doesn't make you a Christ follower. Just following the path of your parents, doesn't make you a Christ follower. What makes you a Christ follower is when you personally decide to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ. And some of you have been unwilling for whatever reason. You've been unwilling to repent. You've been unwilling to admit that you need a Savior. You've been unwilling maybe just to to let go out of fear. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Listen. It's got to stop time to quit just sitting there and it's time to let jesus be your savior and let him lead your life i don't know why i just don't understand why you'd say no to such an incredible invitation that will transform your life in the best way it's ever going to be transformed now listen when we wrap up this morning i'm going to be down here in the front after we worship for a little bit And if today is the day that you need to step across the line of faith and you need to begin to follow Jesus to accept His invitation, you come and talk with me. I'd love to pray with you and point you in the right direction. Some of you in this room, you need to publicly affirm your faith in Jesus Christ by being baptized. And this morning after our second worship time, we've made arrangements at a nearby pool just a couple of blocks away to celebrate baptism. And if you need to take that step this morning, I encourage you, I invite you to do that. You're here at first service, so if you want to go home and get the proper attire for that and just meet back here at noon right in the front of the auditorium, some of us will go over together and we'll celebrate baptism. You know what? Here's what's going to happen in these next few minutes as we worship for some of you. Some of you, are you're, you're ready. You're at that line and you're saying, okay, you're right. I need to do something. I need to do this. But Satan's going to work on you in these next few minutes. And He's going to tell you, you know what, you've you got other things to do today. You've got to get home to the ball game. You know, it can wait a little bit longer. You waited this long. What's the big deal? The Holy Spirit also wants to work on you. The Holy Spirit wants to see you step across the line today. And if you'll let Him, the Holy Spirit's going to encourage you that you have the courage. And today is the day. And everything else could wait a few minutes while you make this choice. Let's pray together. God, I thank You for Jesus. Thank you for his simple story, his wonderful invitation. God, uh, there are people in this room today that for whatever reason, they've just been sitting there unwilling to respond. And I pray in a very Holy Spirit, powerful way in these next few moments, that God, you'd prompt them that this is the day, this is the moment to trust you as their Savior and to let you lead their life. God, help us to love this story with all of our heart. Help us to love the one who the story is about, Jesus, with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.